Thanks for tuning in to the Thirst for More podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley. Thirst for More podcast was created to help strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, fitness enthusiasts, and anyone that loves lifting heavy shit all be connected under one roof. We take deep dives into coaching, programming and training, running gyms, nutrition, and overall improving your knowledge in the field of strength and conditioning. If you're new here, I'm glad you're able to tune in and hope you can just take away one awesome piece of information today to help you along with your journey. If you're a returning supporter, I appreciate you being along for the ride. Now let's dive into today's episode. On episode 27 of the Thirst for More podcast, I sit down with my guy, Lucas White. If you used to listen to the podcast way back in the day, Lucas was the first guest I had on there, so I thought no better way than to bring the podcast back with guests with Lucas because a lot has changed since we talked then. He's now one of the football strength and conditioning coaches at Iowa State University. He is football only now, and so we talk into depths not only just being a football only strength and conditioning coach, what the kind of day to day looks like, but also how he's using that to help his football guys, in particular the conjugate method. He does have experience using it with other sports. We kind of talk about that as well. But the big takeaway here is using that with football, but also getting into collegiate strength and conditioning. What you want to do, Lucas is a guy that has came up. From the bottom and now obviously being at a power five school doing amazing things seeing great results with his athletes and really taking his career places i was good to catch up with him talk some shop there's a lot of really good detailed information in here so really sit down absorb it lucas has got some things that i think can really help you regardless of whether you're in fleet strength and conditioning or not he's really a vast piece of knowledge that i really enjoy talking to on a day-to-day basis um, as somebody that i help him with his own programming but as a fact of just being a good quality friend and a good strength and conditioning coach at the collegiate level. So sit down and enjoy this episode with my guy, Lucas White. All right, what's up? It's Brandon here, and today we got Lucas White. Lucas is a good friend of mine. Man, I met Lucas several years ago through Indiana State. Um, great dude, great strength coach. Um, even better person. We got some really good questions here for you today, Coach. So uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, how are things doing? Um, I appreciate you having me. This is awesome. Anytime we get a chance to you know sit and chop it up about training, I'm always down. Uh, no, everything's been going good. Like I said, we uh, you know we got our first game here in a here in a couple of days. We kick off at one o'clock on Saturday, so um, it's been a really good year. Been really good. Uh, yeah, winter was great. Spring ball was awesome. We had a really good fall camp. Summer was nice, so we're we're really excited to watch our guys play Saturday. But yeah, everything's all good here. Awesome. So, um, so anybody that's new here, I guess, let us know how you got into strength and conditioning. You know, kind of your journey, and then the pit stops that you've had to get to where you're at now, which is with Iowa State. Yeah, sure. No, so I so I started as a uh, I started as a high school coach back in 2013, I think. Yeah. So really, uh, even back before then, you know, I played multiple sports in high school, middle school, all that. And, and I think the weight room was just somewhere that I tend to I tended to gravitate towards a little bit more so and had some success in there individually, at least I thought. And I always enjoyed it a little bit more than actually playing the sport, uh, you know, that I was in at the time. So um, just thought it'd be a really cool deal to try to find a way to, to shape and mold. Um, you know, my life around, you know, something that I thought was, um, you know, worthwhile and that was training and, and the pursuit of strength. So, um, yeah. So when I was in high school, I uh, got done playing ball and I didn't really want to go play at the college level, but I still trained. And then once I got through undergrad and, um, you know, I started to kind of think about, you know, career wise, where, what would I want to do? Um, I had the opportunity to go back to uh, Wright's High School in Evansville, Indiana, where I'm originally from. 
and had a chance to go uh, do a uh, like a practicum, like 150 hours, I think, total is what I had to do to graduate undergrad. And from there, just I happened to be in the right place at the right time. There was a coaching change, and uh, Andy Hape was a new guy that came in and said, you know, I'd like to keep you around. I think you do a good job, and, you know, this is something that, you know, that we don't have to, you know, uh, the, the coaching staff and I don't have to worry about. You know, we feel good with you down there. We trust you. And that was really how I got a chance to start to get, you know, the first three years of training, um, you know, at least coaching anyways in the strength and conditioning setting, um, you know, under my belt. So I started at uh, FJ Wrights High School in Evansville, um, did that for three years. And then after that, it was January of 2016, I went to uh, Mississippi State University down in Starkville, Mississippi as uh, an unpaid intern, uh, worked that for about six months uh, from January to June. Um, and then I ended up uh, with an opportunity to go out to New Mexico State University from uh, August of 16 to January or July of 2018, I believe. Um, I had a really good opportunity to work with uh, football, uh, track and field, cross country, baseball, softball, men's basketball, both men's and women's golf. I mean, you name it, I had a chance to coach it out there. I had a really awesome two years uh, you know, out in the desert with, with a great staff and a great group of kids. Um, so after that uh, is whenever I went to Indiana State as a grad assistant, and that's where you and I linked up in August of 18. So I was there for probably August, uh, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. I was there for probably about uh, yeah, like eight months, you know, about eight months or so. And then I had an opportunity to go out to San Jose State, um, spent the last two years, spent two years there um, working football, uh you know, men's and women's soccer, uh, did some work with track and field as well and helped with baseball a little bit here and there. But um, again, really good experience out in uh, out in the Bay Area in California. It's where I met my fiance at. So she's tagged along for the last the last two moves. Somehow I convinced her to, to roll with me out of out of such yep. a nice place. Yeah. But um, now, anyway, so after uh, yeah, after San Jose State um, had the chance to go to Boise State, um, you know, for we spent two years there. Um, with the staff that I'm with or a handful of guys that I'm with now at, at Iowa State. But, um, yeah, I had a chance to work just football only um, in a really good football conference. You know, got a chance to stay in the Mountain West, um, you know, work at arguably one of the more uh, recognizable programs over the last 25 to 30 years. So had a really good, uh, really good experience there. Um, got a chance to work with a lot of great, uh, a lot of great guys, a lot of great football coaches, great strength coaches. Um, and then when uh, when uh, December, this last late December, early January, um, you know, came around. I got the opportunity to come with my boss um, and the rest of our staff over to Iowa State. And so, again, we're just we've been here since January um, of uh, 23. So January of this year, we're just working football. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And that's that's been the the uh, the couple pit stops along the way. seems like my yeah. tour of state schools is, is never ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been cool to watch your journey just since we met Indiana State, um, watching you level up to the ranks. I think that's uh awesome to see and I, I think it really says a lot about you as a strength coach i mean taking what you can get the best opportunity you got and then just leveling up from it every step along the way i mean i think a lot of people would like to say hey when you want to become a strength coach you want to be at a power five school big 10 big 12 which i mean conference really on it's getting a little crazy but you know those yeah. are the schools that people want to coach at um that you know usually you got more resources and, and more options available to you which kind of leads me to my next question you know going from the smaller schools like New Mexico state or San Jose state, I really don't like to link Boise as a smaller state, but you know, they're yeah. technically not a power five school, even though, like you mentioned, they've got good football history. Um, but now you're at a power five school. So 
for you, you know, like what's the major difference that you see for anybody that's not been in those rooms? I think a lot of people think that, you know, there's a, there's a big difference, which there can be, but some people think that there's not a lot of difference. You kind of hear conflicting things on whether you'd much rather be at a smaller D one or a bigger D one. I mean, you've obviously kind of been to all of them. So, I mean, you know, what have you noticed the difference? And then, you know, anybody that wants to get into the collegiate side, you know, what are your recommendations for that? I think your path that you've had has been good, but, you know, explain kind of what you did, I think might be pretty helpful. Yeah, no. So I think to, to go like the first question with you would like the biggest difference. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think the resources, um, you know, that you have available to you are going to be, you know, greater, you know, the, the higher you go. Now, I'll say this, um, you know, when you kind of look at training, right, and you look at, at weight rooms across the country, I mean, a lot of places are going to have a lot of the same things. But um, the room that we have right now at Iowa State is hands down the most impressive room that I've ever stepped foot in 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 a college setting. I mean, I've told you before, I mean, we've got we've got 18 monolith, 18 racks and, and you know, one half is a monolith electric jack and the other half is just a normal, you know, half rack to bench and squat in. But the, the space is great. The amount of equipment we have is is unmatched. Um, the type of bars that we have I mean, we have is every last thing you could imagine, um, you know, down there in the weight room. But um, I think when you look at resources and I think this is something, too, where. A lot of people hear resources, you know, from a strength and conditioning, you know, side of things. It's a weight room. It's what does the field look like? I mean, no, to me, that goes into sports medicine. And just as important, um, I think the, the biggest catalyst is uh, nutrition. Our fourth floor on our in the uh, in our Stark Performance Center um, is an absolute goldmine of uh, opportunity to, um, you know, to, to grow and recover and adapt from the training that, you know, that our guys go through. So I like, kind of the way we look at it is you go down, you lift, you run all that, you all the physical training is just setting the stage and giving you an, giving our guys a, an opportunity, um, you know, to adapt and recover to the stimulus that they're being provided. So, um, I think that's the biggest difference when you go to, you go from, you know, like FCS to group of five up to P5, um, you know, kind of where we're at now, I think the biggest thing is, you know, is, is, uh, from a nutrition standpoint, um, it is unmatched. I mean, the, the quality of food, the amount of food and the availability of it for our kids, not only on the fourth floor, but also down in our fueling station down, you know, close to the weight room. I mean, it is like, there is every, like every last thing you could think of, we have available for our, for our players to, to use, you know, pre-training, post-training during training. If we get a day where it's really hot, um, you know, guys are straining really hard and it's like, man, okay, we, we've still got a little bit to go, whether we're at practice or we're in the middle of the lift and run. Um, we, we've got things to, to, to give our guys too to make sure that we can, you know, keep training at a pretty good clip. So biggest thing to me is going to be resources, but I think mainly it's going to be, you know, the, the nutrition aspect of it. Um, and, and I'll say this too, just because a place may have a lot of, you know, physical resources, you have to have the right type of people, you know, within, within the walls, uh, to make everything go and make it run smoothly. And I, I think that from top to bottom, from you know, our strength staff up to our football staff, um, you know, up to our nutrition staff and then our, our sports medicine staff, everyone that's in that building, uh, you know, that has a chance to touch and impact our players. We have elite human beings in, in that, uh, in that building. I mean, absolutely fantastic men and women um, that, that do a great job and, and are there to help serve our players. So um, from a resource standpoint, I mean, I think that is the biggest difference you're going to see. Um, and I think it is a glaring difference. Uh, second thing, kind of as far as like how to get into kind of how to get up into the into this field. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't play college sports. I mean, I, I called it after after high school. And I think if you've 
you know, spent time, whether you played football or uh, baseball, basketball, whatever, if you spend time as a college athlete, I think one that's going to help you at least understand maybe the day to day kind of what that looks like. Um, but to be quite honest, I mean, use your resources like the strength scoop on footballscoop.com is a really good, good resource to use. Um, looking for unpaid internships, the CSCCA website. Um, you know, there are all sorts of different pages. I don't know, strength, uh, strength coach job network on Instagram usually posts a lot of, yep. um, you know, internships as well. So the, the resources are there to, to branch out and start to see, Hey, like, you know, if I want to do this and I want to do this at a certain level, um, you, you be ready to volunteer your time, you know, because the amount of people, I mean, I mean, shoot, man, we had, um, you know, just this last winter, I man, I think we had, or I mean, just this last summer, I think we had like five interns, five unpaid interns, and they all did a great job for us. Um, but I mean, that's not unheard of. I've, I've heard of some places where you'll have up to six, seven, eight, some places, you know, 10 plus interns. And it's like, it's a very popular field. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think well, a lot of people want to get into it and they start to see the day to day and it's like, oh, well, th this isn't as glamorous or as cool as it looked, looked, you know, from the outside. But if you get up into it and you can kind of take the, you know, the day to day grind, it's like, hey, if I can still, if I still find this really cool, really attractive, like you'll, you'll be cut out for it. So biggest thing, like uh, use the resources, you know, available to you as far as trying to find where some of those unpaid internships may be and just, just get out of your comfort zone, take a leap and, and, and go in head first a thousand miles an hour. And I think you'd be, a lot of people will be surprised at where they'll end up because one, they'll either end up in the you know position that they want them set, that they see themselves ending up in down the road or two, they'll figure out, Hey, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I should probably go, you know, maybe private sector or high school or tactical. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I think the amount of growth that's been happening in our field over the last, I bet five to eight, maybe 10 years, um, even now is, is awesome to watch. And it just gives a lot more opportunities for coaches to kind of find, you know, where they where they fit in, where they feel their skill set is going to be used most effectively. Um, and that way they can, you know, they can do what they love to do, but at the same time they can, you know, have a really good opportunity, um, you know, to um, to make a really good life for themselves. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest biggest uh, thing you can do to kind of get in is find, find a place, volunteer your time, and figure out, like, hey, if this is where I fit in, great. If not, there's other options. Yeah, I think that's really good because, I mean, I've – like you said, I've done some internships at the at the collegiate level, and I really liked it. But for me, it was I, I kind of resonated a little bit more with the private sector. I like yeah. being in the in the collegiate. The energy is awesome. I think that's one thing. Like if you're if you're a high energy person, college weight room is where to be. I mean, mm. um, that's just that it's high energy all the time when you're in there. You can never be a dud day. Um, you know, you've got to keep these kids motivated and on the right track. Where the private sector can be a little more laid back, but you've also got people that are paying for your time so that you know they genuinely want to be there so you don't only have to write them as hard you still got to motivate them and coach them and do all that great stuff but you're getting somebody that's committed financially like they're they're 100 all in yeah. because they're paying for your services we're like you know, you know being in the college weight room that a lot of those guys are there for football the strength conditioning portion is means to an end um you know i think you've said it really well too listen to some of your stuff other places that you know there's there's not squat racks on the field or anything we're, we're trying to get them better at their sport and that's how we're designing training programs and whatnot to get them ready for that you know if their squat goes up their bench goes up that's great as a metric but if they're not if their on-field performance isn't getting better then we need to reevaluate what we're doing and right. with and the college level some of those kids literally just want to play football like that's that's all they want to do and you're just trying to keep them healthy and whatnot so they're they're motivated clearly on the on the field side, but they may not be as motivated in the weight room side. 
So I think that's a, a another piece of it. But, you know, I think another thing too that's great is that when you're looking at the college side of things, you've got all those kids managing a room is completely different. So if you don't want to figure out how you have to manage a facility with, you know, I don't know how you guys run your guys' teams. If everybody's coming in at once, or you guys are working with bigs at one hour, I'm sure it kind of changes a little bit, but yeah. let's just say all 80 guys are in there. How you got your weight room organized is going to depend on how you write your training program. You can't mm-hmm. do everything you want to do because you got to get 80 guys in and out in 60 minutes. You yeah. You're really efficient with your time where the private sector, if you're only working on like, you know, I am sometimes it's only three or four kids at a time. We got a lot of space and a lot of stuff. I can program pretty much whatever I freaking want because we ain't going to have to worry about weight room logistics. You can use what you need and we can get done what we need to. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit um, different as well. But mm-hmm. that kind of gets me to the the next thing is um, I've also seen you go from working with other sports to now you're football only. So I think this is definitely um, it seems like where strength conditioning is going to have that football only staff. And then what they would say, the Olympic staff or the other sports, sometimes just basketball only as well, I think is kind of coming up a little bit too. But, um, you know, what's the biggest changes that you've had to make going from working with multiple sports to just being football only every single day, 12 months out of the year? Uh, I mean, I, as far as like changes necessarily to make, I so like when I got into it, I always looked at, you know, down the road long term, like I, I would love to be a head guy at a major you know, FBS college football program. Right. So I think when you get up into the field, it's kind of like, okay, like you, you have this vision of where you want your career to go, you know, and, and where you want to end up at some point. Um, but as far as necessarily changing anything, I never really, like, I got not really change anything as far as like about me, about how I would coach, um, you know, about how I plan and program. If anything, you know, when I got up in, it was like, you know, I just, I spent three years as a high school guy, you know, and so I, I start to get up into college and it's like, oh, there are all these different dynamics, um, you know, that a lot of people don't, you know, like they're not taught that in, in a traditional, you know, undergraduate or graduate course, <clears throat> as far as, you know, like you hit the nail on the head, as far as like your, you know, the time you have allotted, what you have to get done that day, um, size of the group, the environment, um, the type of equipment you have available, the space you have available, the, like there are all different deals that go in, um, you know, as far as like when you look at planning, you look at what do you do, what do you put on paper, what do you have time for, um, you know, what's going to be the the one I hate even say it as like a, like a catchphrase, almost like bang for your buck. But, you know, it's like what are the big rocks that we need to get moved today and then what can we what can we kind of hold off towards, you know, the back end of the week or what can we kind of save for another day, you know, so. I think as far as like the biggest difference, it, it hasn't, I haven't really had to change so much about myself, but going to football only, what you will see is that, and again, like you talked about just a minute ago, um, you know, when you're, you were talking, you know, you answered this question was, you know, either the size of the staff. I mean, when we got to Boise, we had, it, there were three of us and now we've got a full staff of five. And so I think one of the biggest things is that, some of those responsibilities within a lift can get delegated. And so that gives coaches that are on the floor, it gives you an opportunity to zone in, okay, here's what I have to take care of within, you know, say, you know, I've got, you know, five racks with two to three guys, you know, per rack. I'm not going to necessarily be worried about maybe someone has like a, you know, like a wrist or a hand or an elbow or, you know, Hey, you've got like an ankle that's screwed up. Hey, guess what? We've got, you know, the weight room section off to four different, you know, areas okay, cool. We've got a fifth coach and we may have, you know, an intern with him for an extra set of hands. Great. Any guys that have like some major modifications. Cool. You guys roll with that coach. 
and we've got space, you know, cornered off and available for those guys, you know, to get work done as effectively and quickly as we can and keep them involved within the group dynamic and the, within the group setting. So um, I think that's probably been the biggest thing is to make is to you know realize, hey, like you don't have to do everything at once. Like you don't have to juggle all these different deals. Like if you've got people that can handle different roles within that within that environment, then great. That allows you to zero in and hone in on, Hey, here's what's going on. Here are my responsibilities within this lift. And let me, let me focus in and make sure that I'm, I'm on point that I'm taking care of the, uh, of my players. I'm um, taking care of our players as, as best as I possibly can, you know, my ability. So I think that's a big one, one big, one big difference. And two, um, you know, within my responsibility, within the way, you know, within our, our staff has been, you know, primarily weight room as far as, um, you'll get in with Coach Keggy, who's our, our head strength coach, get with him, get with the rest of the staff, talking about, hey, here's what we're kind of thinking for this week, for this week, and kind of looking, you know, three, four, five, eight weeks down the road. Like, what does this look like? Make sure we're on the same page, but making sure that they've got, you know, what they need before we step on the floor. Um, you know, do you have your number sheets? Do you have your lift cards? Do we have, you know, is everything set up? Like, that way the the flow, the weight room, and the tra- and traffic can, can move, you know, seamlessly and effortlessly. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be the size of the staff, um, that you know they will have to keep in mind, and if, like, and I don't mean to say it in a bad way. I think I mean that that's a great thing. The more coaches you can have on the floor, and the more people you can have to impact our players, I think is awesome. Oh yeah. Um, so again, that just that that allows you to be more effective at what you do because you don't feel like you've got you know a million different things that you've got to account for, and you have to feel responsible for you know within a lift or a run or or what have you. So um, yeah, definitely staff size is is uh, is a big deal. Um, and we're very fortunate to have a, a great staff. And honestly, I mean, with the staff that I've worked with, you know, for the better part of going three years now, and then, you know, it was me and Reed Keggy, Brandon Piatzik, and Jalen Baker over at, you know, Boise State. And then when we got to Iowa State, we had a chance to pick up Trevor Ryan, who was a played, played here at Iowa State, um, you know, back when my boss was an assistant here, you know, several years ago. Um, so a guy that we were very fortunate to have a guy on staff that has, you know, lived it and walked in the shoes that our players are walking in each day. Um, and did it to the highest degree and the highest level possible. And he's a great guy, too. I mean, you talk about our staff. We have an unbelievable staff of, of awesome elite humans, um, you know, that we get to we, that I get to go to work with every day and very thankful. Um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things, too. Like when you look at college football, not a whole lot of times people stick around together, you know, and so to have the, the continuity and the consistency within our staff over the course of three years, it's been really awesome. Um, to see and really awesome to work to be a part of, and then they like said you find that that fifth guy that that adds, you know, hey, this is the final the, the final piece of the puzzle um, to make a well rounded staff um, that that does an unbelievable job of of coaching and taking care of our players, um, you know, from a top to bottom standpoint. I, mean, I think that's that that that's been for me at least, you know, come to Iowa State since January. That that's been awesome. It's been really fun. We've had a really good really good year so far, and I'm really thankful for it. Awesome. Yeah. I think something I really like you brought up is that, you know, you've got your own individual thing that you need to focus on with football. And that's one thing I noticed at Purdue, like when I, when I interned, I was usually there with the skills groups. So I was with quarterbacks, punters. Um, Sometimes they'd put the wide outs and the cornerbacks in there with them as well. Then you'd have, you know, a separate group of interns and a coach with your linemen, your bigs, and then you'd have kind of your, your, uh, bigger skill running backs fullbacks linebackers and a separate group and then you'd have yeah. the other group which would kind of be like the banged up crowd guys that either had surgery aren't playing this week you know you know academic trouble whatever it is 
you got a separate group yeah. here with them. And then that's kind of how basically the weight room rolled for four days a week, plus your conditioning and what have you. And I think the other thing I like too, is that they, I think that if you're interested in collegiate finding what you're really passionate about, if you want to do it like the football level, like you, like if you're passionate about the weight room part, then, you know, still got to have a good understanding of all strength and conditioning, but have something that you're really hyper-focused on. That way, if you want to join a football staff, you can be a, a major piece to that overall puzzle. And yeah. if you're somebody that's really into the conditioning side or you're really into the metrics, uh, I'm sure Iowa State, you guys got somebody running all your numbers with mm-hmm. uh, Jim Aware. Do you guys use Jim Aware, I'm guessing? No, we've uh, – well, we so in the weight room, we just have 10 does, but on the field yeah. we have Pult. Brandon Piatic is – he's the one that takes the lead on on all that. Very intelligent individual, does, does an unbelievable job you know, with that and with, you know, within what we do on the field, very smart guy, but he's, he's a good coach too. And that's like, that's kind of the cool thing too, is that when you look at, you know, it's kind of talking like you might have like a certain niche where it's like, Hey, like, you know, you're going to be like, Hey, like you, you bring this, this piece of the puzzle. And then, you know, another guy brings this and so forth. And it's like across the staff, like, you know, do we bring certain, you know, certain deals to, to the table? Absolutely. But when you look at it, all of us can coach out on the field, all of us can coach in the weight yeah. room. If we have some modifications. We can all handle it. Like, and I think that's one of the biggest, you know, a big strength of ours as a staff is that there's not a coach on our staff that can't coach something that we have on paper that we ask our players to do. Um, you know, so as far as that goes, I mean, we, we all trust each other. We, we know everyone is very more than capable, um, you know, of getting the job done regardless of what the task may be. So, and with the way kind of you talk, we're talking a minute ago, just about kind of how we split things, like, you know, how things are split up and yeah, we'll, and that's kind of nice too. Is like we'll have typically in the you know the winter and the summer we'll have like our, our line group, we will have our combo group, then we'll have our skill group, um, you know. And then from there, it's you know if we have some guys that may have some internships, guys that may have class conflicts, and it's like okay, well, what do you do? And you've got a, a group of skill players that are going to be running. You know, we're looking you know seventy you know 60, 70 yard tempos, but then you've got you know a group of linemen that play in a you know five ten yard box. Um, you know, yeah. they don't really get it get up to you know top end speed or whatever. Um, you know, the cases don't really cover as much yardage. So it's like, well, how do you do that? When you look at the different dynamics that may, you know, go on within just a single training session, whether it's in the field or in the weight room, um, you know, the weight room is a lot more general than what's going to go on the field. Um, you know, how do you plan for that and still get it done at a high degree? Um, you know, I think, again, having a staff that is well-rounded that can coach anything that we have on paper, we're going to ask our guys to do, um, but also having a really organized plan of how we're going to go about that. Um, it, it makes the, the day go a lot smoother. The training's a lot more effective and the players see that too. Yeah. You know, they say, hey, this is a staff that they know what, they know what's going on. They understand what the deal is. They can handle multiple things at one time. Like they're, they're, they're on their game. They're dialed in. So, um, you know, again, that's just kind of something that, that, that the players can see, but uh, not very, very fortunate to have the staff that we have here. Awesome. And then I guess, uh, you know, next big thing, which me and you chop it up probably the most about, um, is conjugate training and um you know kind of explain i mean i definitely know you're using it at san jose and boise and now at iowa state i guess you know kind of walk us through not to necessarily go through a whole year but how you how you as a coach are thinking about how you're laying that training out for your football guys especially now with the season approaching you know this is the hectic time of year uh for both you guys and the players coaching staff i mean every week it's a big question mark in terms of who's available, you know, what, what training needs to happen, um, whether guys are seeing playing time or not. Um, so I guess can you kind of walk us through what, you know, 
your conjugate layout that you use for Iowa State kind of looks like? Yeah, so I mean, as far as you know, kind of looking at the X's no. So when we got here, we you know we hadn't seen these guys train. You know, I think like that's that's kind of one of those deals when you get to a new spot and you start to think, oh, you know, I'm gonna do, we're gonna do all this, do all that. It's like, well, just pump the brakes. Let's see how they handle. You know, just a like bench squat. If you're gonna do an Olympic movement like a clean or a snatch or a jerk, whatever, like that's a really good time. Okay, cool. Break this thing down and start to look at. Hey, do we do you know above the knee work, below the knee work? Do we start with the clean pull? Like, do we start with, you know, just like a bar complex, whatever. So I think for us, that was what we did when we got there. It was like, hey, like, what does this look like when we get, you know, whenever we get up into week one? You know, and our guys, said they had had a, a pretty good chunk of time off. Um, there wasn't a bowl game last year, so they had been training for about four weeks, um, you know, away from the facility before that, you know, before we all got there. So um, when we started, it was like, hey, let's just let, let's let's program some very basic things. Um, I think the first when we looked at really so when we, we sit down and we look at kind of what we want to do. The biggest thing when you look like in a like from winter to spring ball, you got to look at how much time do you have available to train. And so we looked at okay, we have eight weeks to train. Awesome. What can we do in these eight weeks? From like you're looking at max effort, looking at dynamic effort. Like what can we do to one get a gauge on where the guys are at physically, what you know what they look like in the weight room, how do they bench, how do they squat, what does the movement quality look like. Um, and then we can start to at least get some loose numbers to maybe start to go off of. Um, two, it's okay. What do we have available? What do we feel like we need to slowly integrate and expose them to um, as far as, uh, you know, different, maybe different bars, maybe a box or something like that, maybe like pins, reverse bands, or, um, you know, dynamic work, whether we're going to use, we're going to use chain, we're going to use band, like, if we're going to put in some movements like sumo deads or like block pulls, whatever that might look like, we're going to get on the inverse curls. We've got eight, eight inverse curls from West side in our weight room um, that we're on often. Absolutely love those pieces. Um, you know, so again, I think the biggest thing when we sit down and look at, and what we did was when we got here, it was eight weeks to train. What do we feel most comfortable with? And so what we did was we broke it down into, into biweekly rotations with the main movement. So what we did was we went the first week, where we would go, hey, we're just, we're just going to bench. Like, we just – we need to see these guys. What does it, it look like? And so that gave us an opportunity to teach it the way we want to teach it, correct issues as they come up. And then, two, we started to get – we started to record some, you know, some loose numbers. Now we have some values to start to go off of where we can start to help kind of guide our players, um, you know, through their through their working sets and kind of where some of those jumps may need to go on, on open sets. So what we did on an upper half standpoint, we rolled the first two weeks uh, just straight up bench. Um, we roll week one sets of five, week two sets of three. Then we rotate it out to a multi-grip bar, same range of motion. Now I just changed the grip up a little bit, um, a little more of a challenging bar to press with, a little more shoulder friendly. Um, you know, so we, same deal. We rolled, hey, we're going to roll fives. We're going to roll threes. And then that right there, four weeks of training, week five, we pulled back and we started, we just basically, we did like a, almost like a deload because when we thought about it, it was like, well, Majority, like you've got all these dudes training from, you know, four weeks. By the time you get a bear, I mean, you get that fifth week. That's, you know, like nine weeks of straight training. Like you're going to put together 12 weeks straight without any, you know, without like a down week, just let them kind of, you know, catch their breath before we get ready to go in spring break and then spring ball. So um, when we kind of looked at it was once we got to week five, we just did, we would work some doubles at like 70, 75 of, of the working max that we had for the guys just off the, the, you know, the numbers and the work that we had seen up until that point. Um, 
And so what we did there was, okay, let's let's let them kind of catch their breath. And then week six was that sweet spot where we felt good as a staff. Cool. Now, like, we'll take some singles on the bench. We'll take some singles on the squat. Um, and then we looked at week seven and eight before we got a break. And then uh, going into spring ball, we said, hey, what, what do we need to do? What kind of movements do we need to put in here now that we were going to look at using during spring practice when now you throw football in the equation and stress is high? Activities high. It's nowhere near as dense as a fall camp, but still, I mean, you're you're adding another piece of the puzzle into it. Yep. And you know, the last you know two weeks, week seven and eight, um, you know, we started with we started to have uh, you know six a.m. workouts, you know, as a team, which they were a lot of fun, just a lot of competitive drills, and it was just a lot of fun to get everybody together in that environment. So, um, you know, it, it was a it was an, an awesome awesome uh, you know four workouts that we had. Uh, but again, like you look at places that do like, you know, when you call mat drills or, you know, morning workouts and it's like, okay, well, how do you account for this new stressor that gets thrown in? And it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's coming. Um, don't complain about it. Find a way to still get the job done, you know, with the time available and then kind of get an idea. Okay. Let's see what this looks like, you know, on a, you know, Wednesday morning or a Friday morning. Let's kind of see how we think this is going to affect you know, training down, you know, down through the end of the week and, and subsequently in, uh, in the subsequent weeks before we get ready to go, you know, for a, a week of spring break and then in a spring ball. So that was really what we looked at on, you know, from a max effort upper standpoint, ma uh, max effort lower. We just, we followed a similar template. We just, we squatted, back squatted for two weeks. Uh, we put our safety bars in for two weeks and, and wild enough, we found that our guys actually squatted just as well, if not better, um, you know, on some on our safety bars than they did with, with a straight bar and, um, I've seen the safety bars from powerlift, but they're a little, they're a little different. The weight sits a little bit lower. It almost feels like a, to me, it almost feels like a little bit of a rackable camber bar with, with handles, almost like a spider bar, but not as, not as unforgiving as that. Yeah. Thing's terrible. Uh, but, um, so we rolled with that for two weeks again, fives and threes, fives and threes. We took doubles on that, on that down week on week five. And then we took singles on the back squat on week six. Um, and that was just a really good, I thought that was a really smart, intelligent way to go about it. Um, and then that gave us our numbers that we could at least go off of now once we would, you know, program max or plan max effort work. We would plan dynamic work now. OK, we're going off of some legitimate, you know, training values that our guys have have hit. We're not just going off. Oh, this is what your rep max says it is, you know. Um, so anyway, that's how we that's how we rolled it. Um, you know, whenever we roll our max effort work, um, you know, through the uh, through the first eight weeks. And then whenever you get into you know spring practice or even fall camp to that extent, and that's kind of one of the cool things about, you know, conjugate. And I spoke about this a little bit at the national conference, CSCCA conference in Orlando um, in May, is that where conjugate uh, will have an opportunity to, to shine for you is, you know, say you get up into a really you know, highly competitive year and, you know, fall camp hits or spring ball hits and, and now the pads come on and you've got guys, hey, elbows are kind of beat up, shoulders are a little beat up, like, um, you know, hands and wrists, kind of like, ah, you know, hips, knees, whatever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, football is a collision sport. It's a physical game. And to sit there and say, oh, we our guys are going to feel great all the time. Like you're 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 lying to yourself. So but what can you do as a strength conditioning professional with the tools that you have available to yourself, um, you know, within the weight room to use? What can you do, um, you know, from like a partial stand, partial range of motion standpoint to still to one, take care of the guys, but two at the same time, be able to drive strength and, and, and uh, uh, you know, train that quality and push it in the direction that it needs to go so, because you're, I mean, you're going to be asked to train through those periods. Um, doesn't mean you need to pull back, you know, completely and, and barely touch anything. No, not at all. But I think that's where you need to be a lot 
um, you know, a lot more thoughtful and a lot more, um, you know, careful, I think, as far as the the movements that you do pick, um, you know, and kind of the order and train that it goes. So, like, whenever we get up into, like, our really high-density periods of practice, well, that's when we'll bring out, like, our shoulder savers. Uh, we may end up going to a floor press. We may end up getting, um, you know, get our safety bars back out, get our boxes out. Um, we've got Buffalo bars on every single rack, you know, so maybe early on in a camp period or like an in-season period that might be like, Hey, we can at least still get a bar on their back, but we can get one. You, we can, you know, we have access to a bar that's going to be a lot more shoulder wrist and elbow friendly. Um, you know, especially even more friendly, some guys that might be a little more bound up in the shoulders. Um, that's a really easy bar to implement the guys that the guys seem to like it pretty well. So, um, it just gives us a chance to rotate different pressure points and try to take care of the major joints that get beat up, you know, during a competitive season or, you know, like a camp period. So um, really that's as far as like, you know, like your winter and your spring, that's kind of what that looked like. We've got the month of May off. And then when we went up into summer, that's where we're going to see volume on the field go up substantially because we're trying to match, you know, a four to five day uh, camp average of, you know, four different metrics that we're looking at, you know, on our catapult GPS units to make sure that we can handle the, that our players can handle the demands of camp. So as one goes up, one's got to start to come down a little bit. Right. So what we did in the summer is, and we did this last year at Boise and to me, it made a lot of sense where our first year at Boise, we would, we took some efforts, you know, at the end of summer, when you look at the totality of eight weeks of training in the summer leading up into a camp period, it's a lot, like that's a lot of, of stress and volume. And that's a lot of fatigue. And so did we take some efforts at the end of that? You know, yes, we did. And it was it bad. No, not at all. I mean, I thought our players did really well, but we thought about it, it's like, well, maybe there's a better, more effective way to go about this to where our guys would have a better opportunity to display their strength um, and not have three to four extra weeks of stress and volume and, and yardage, you know, on their body. So we kind of looked at, okay, well, let's look at summer where's the 4th of July break, you know, within, you know, as far as like week by week, what days is that typically fall? What days does that fall on, you know, within the respective year that we're in. And so what we did last year was um, we would train four weeks. And on that fifth week, right before it's like, Hey, it's a half week, very short week. We're going to go up into the, uh, up into the fourth break. And then we're going to come back for about, you know, two and a half to three more weeks at the end. We went ahead and took our efforts there and it was a lot better um, result. We felt, um, numbers were better. Guys and Phil's beat up. We're like, okay, cool. This is really, th- th- this is pretty effective. And so we kind of did, we did the same thing this last year to where now instead of running, you know, tri-weekly, bi-weekly rotations of movements, we rotated movements every week. And so where we started like heavy fives, fours, threes, we did a deload on the doubles with reverse bands. Then we took singles on the bench and we took singles on the bench and squat. The bench, we didn't necessarily go over, like we didn't try to set a new like PR or anything. Like, hey, we're too, we're too close to camp, we're too close to the season. Um, you know, we felt we could take a squad, but we we played it safe. We went around between 90 and 95 on the bench, and the guys hammered it. I mean, they they handled it absolutely fine. But um, I think when you look at what we did on the upper standpoint, we went, if I recall, went multi-grip for five. We did a close grip for three. We did a two-board or a shoulder saver bench for um, you know, multi-grip for five close grip for four, shoulder saver for three. We did a deload with reverse, I say deload. We used some reverse bands. We let them touch 90, but we used reverse bands on the bench and, or on the bench and squat too. Um, did like, we, we did one single at 90, hey, touch it, get it in your hands, get on your back, boom, be done. Um, and they handled that very well. And then we took um, singles on that, what would be that fifth week, it was a short week because we broke, I believe on, on uh, Thursday, 
Thursday through Thursday, the guys had a little bit of time off for the fourth. So we basically did that. We took singles on that fifth week. Um, on the squat, we, we went um, we went front squat for fives, uh, safety bar for fours. We did buffalo bar for threes, straight bar reverse bands um, for one, and then um, and then we just went right up into uh, we just went right up into that that single on that same week um, right before the fourth. And so we felt like that was a really effective way to go about it. It was safe. It was controlled. Guys absolutely hammered it. It was a really good, really good period of training. So that was also when we uh, we we took some singles on on a on a power clean too, because um, we've been kind of working that a little bit through the course of the the winter and spring. Um, you've got spring ball here, and you're probably not going to try to catch anybody when you start to you start to get the pads on and shoulders start yeah. and shoulders, wrists and elbows. That doesn't feel great. So, um, you know, we still kept in clean pulls and and whatnot with straight bars. Now we're using the trap bars. We just got 18 new trap bars, so that's been a really big help. But so we use that. Um, you know, during that period. But then once we got into the summer, we felt, hey, now we're, we're technically proficient enough at this. We feel good with taking some singles and at least have a little bit of a, a better idea of kind of what the guys can handle on an individual basis. So now, like I said, we start to, you know, plan and program percentage based things out. Now we've got we've got a little clearer, a little better roadmap for our guys to, to follow and we can help guide them a little bit more. So, um, yeah, so that was what we did on week five. And then once we got into week three, I mean, week uh Week seven, eight, it really uh, week six, seven, and eight. Excuse me. We were just working triples, doubles, singles, trying to make sure. Hey, we're still touching strength quality. We're still hitting eighty percent or better on all those main movements. Um, and we'll, we held that actually really well up in, in through camp. And um, and I'll be honest, man. Like we have awesome players. Our kids love to train, and it makes our job a lot easier too. Um, you know, in the weight room, it, the, the energy is always great, even if it's like been a long hot day of practice. Um, you know, the guys come in, like we just had our you know our our second in season lift. Um, you know, last night and we had we had two big groups and we had another group of you know guys that had class conflicts and they came in and absolutely pounded it. But, um, you know, kind of what we're looking at now once we get up in the season is different because you've got two different groups. You've got your you got your travel, you got your non travel. And the good thing is right now is like we're kind of in the midst of we've got like loosely. Here's our travel group. Here's our non travel. But we have so much competition on our team. It's like there could be some guys that are on the non travel that could very well you know, work their way into, um, you know, be on the travel squad, which is a really good thing, really good problem to have. So um, what we're kind of looking at in season with, so with our non-travel, I mean, excuse me, I'll start with our travel group. So um, CSCCA hits and I get them talking and kind of one of the cool things about the opportunity to speak, um, you know, and talk to different coaches is to, you know, as much as they're, you know, going to your presentation to, you know, hopefully find something, you know, beneficial and find something useful, I think if you're a presenter and you're you're speaking and you're not trying to engage, you know, maybe afterwards or try to, you know, talk to some coaches after the, you know, after that, that, you know, period of time is gone. I mean, I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. And so, you know, I'm talking with, you know, one of the coaches, um, you know, that was at, uh, you know, that was at the, uh, um, at the presentation at the talk, um, you know, power five coach down in the SEC and, and, you know, him and I were chatting and, you know, we were, you know, I was asking him about, you know, or he asked me a little bit about in season, kind of like how we'd run it, you know, the last couple of years. And, and I asked him, like, what do you guys do? And, you know, kind of what is that, what does that structure, what does that layout look like? Um, you know, cause we just, we just started to get force plates, um, you know, force decks from, uh, from valve. We've got uh, three of those now in our weight room. And so that was kind of something he, he talked about how they'll go, you know, speed strength on week one, strength, speed week two, then absolute week three and rotate it back. Um, and kind of looking at the numbers on the force plate, they were trending in a positive direction for the majority of the group. I'm like, oh, that, that's kind of, you know, interesting. So for me, that just really struck a chord. It's, you know, because I feel like we, you know, at the end of the day, what we do in season, Phil, is, is very effective. But, 
you know, at the end of the day, as a coach, you're always trying to find ways that maybe can I make this a little bit better here? Can I make a change here? Can I do this? What can, you know, is there a better way or is there, you know, a more effective way to maybe do this? And so um, that really got the gears turning. So what we'll, what we'll kind of look at, um, you know, during the sin season period where their travel group is where we'll look at it in four weeks at a time. So week one will be a speed strength emphasis on both bench, on both bench and squat. Week two will be a strength speed emphasis on bench on our bench and squat. Week three is going to be at, or uh, accelerative strength. Week four, absolute. And then we'll rotate it back around. And so, for, and we'll just, we'll bump our starting percentage up about 5%, um, you know, based off the feedback that we get over the course of the four weeks. If we're like, Hey, we feel good moving up a little bit, or it's like, no, nah, we need to kind of repeat, stay where we're at. Um, you know, depending on fatigue, of the guys, how the season's going, what does that all look like? What does practice look like? What is the volume? What is the, totality of, of a week look like for our guys now that you have the stress of a game introduced um you know then that will help us make a call but that's kind of where our heads are at right now um and the cool thing is excuse me we'll have uh we'll have an opportunity to use our force plates every sunday um so that way it can kind of give us an idea of hey here's here's where the group is trending uh you know are we in a good spot yes let's keep rolling while we're rolling do we notice a negative trend okay cool let's look at what's on paper and let's see how maybe, you know, what could very well be causing this. And if that is, you know, something that's going on, you know, with, you know, that, that we can handle in the weight room that we can help fix. So um, we'll use those metrics to kind of say, like, hey, where are we training in the right direction? Cool. Let's keep rolling. If not, what kind of changes can we make, um, you know, to kind of what we're doing? And so and then what we'll do is, you know, kind of the thought is we're rolling, you know, lighter loads for, you know, higher bar speed, you know, higher velocity. We'll use some full range of motion movements. And once we start to get some accelerated work, we start to get some absolute work cool, we'll pull out like our Buffalo bars, our, uh, you know, our safety bars, boxes, our boards, we'll get a, use a floor press, you know, a lot of different partials, um, you know, partial movements that we'll use to make sure, you know, like we talked earlier, you want to try to save the major joints that get banged on in season in camp and practice, but at the same time, still like find a way to still push strength, you know, in the right direction. And then too, and that's like really with our main work. Um, as far as the accessory work, we'll still try to find, you know, very low cost, high return on investment exercises that we can still move at a, you know, we can still implement at a fairly high volume, um, you know, like face pulls, shrugs, uh, your rear, like, uh, you know, reverse pec decks, any kind of rear delt trap work, mid upper back work, um, you know, by try work, uh, you know, we'll start to look at some different deals, you know, there, you know, maybe we'll still train our neck twice a week. Um, we've got 10 neck machines within our weight room that, you know, four week girl flexion extension, lateral flexion, um, great pieces. It's also got a shrug attachment on it too. So if you wanted to, you know, roll between, you know, uh, you know, regular shrug, single arm shrug, you want to load it up pretty well. You can do that too. We've, we've got a lot of options um, within our room. I think that's one of the more, you know, impressive and, and more beneficial parts of, um, you know, the room that we work in is the amount of options we have. So when, you know, very high stress periods do come, um, you know, and it's, it goes far beyond just, Oh, you just got to bench and squat and maintain your strength. It's like, <laughs> it, I, College ball is different than high school. I mean, let, let's, yeah. let's not get it twisted. Like, you look at some of these guys that are 280, 300 plus that can absolutely run and are incredibly athletic. I mean, until like whenever you're down on a field at one of those games, I mean, the speed and the violence of the game is, is, is it's impressive. I mean, it is scary to watch sometimes. So, having all the different options we have available to our players um, is absolutely critical not only for our job, but for their health and well-being, you know, during the, the competitive season. So uh, that's kind of what we'll do. We'll, we'll check in. We'll, we'll keep a lot of, you know, certain things in our program, like neck. We'll still do our weighted chins. Like we'll still train the hamstring, whether it's an inverse curl or we use an RDL. So we get one that's a little more knee dominant. 
when it's a little more hip dominant and that way we can kind of rotate, you know, each week between what we do so we don't get stale. Um, we'll still find ways to train major areas of the body, but we'll do it in a very smart, thoughtful and intelligent, you know, way to make sure that we're not detracting from what the main focus is right now. And that's the 12 guaranteed Saturdays that we have, you know, for our players to go out and, and compete, but that's the travel. So the, the non-travel, and this is something we did last year that I thought was very effective. They were going to run a similar approach is that we essentially will take a five, three, one rep scheme and we'll use uh, the 90% training max, but we'll rotate the movements every fourth week. And so our, our non-travel will have an opportunity to train three to four days a week. Um, and so what we'll do is within, um, you know, say on week one, say if we're going to go, hey, we're going to floor press and we're going to Buffalo bar squat. That's going to be, those are going to be our two main max effort movements on the upper and lower half. Awesome. So we'll go the first week on both those movements. We'll go um, a three by five to where it's like, you know, that 75, 80, 85, instead of being like, um, you know, hey, we're going to go five plus on that last set. We'll cap it at five to eight. And then what we'll do is on the second week, we'll keep the same movements. We'll, we'll wave it down. Now we're going to go three by three. So now we'll go 80, 85, 90. And instead of being a three plus, we'll go three to six. We'll cap it at six. And then we'll rotate around that third week. We'll go uh, five at 85, three at 90. And then we'll go one plus. That one plus at 95 is going to be like a one to three or one to four, depending on how we feel as a staff that, you know, our guys are prepared to handle based off practice demands and what the week has kind of given us. So, um, and then once we hit that fourth week, we'll rotate, we'll rotate the movements out and then we'll go back to the three by five um, at the same percentages. And so, um, what will and that that like when we, you sit down and you look at it, that lays out a really clean and a very, uh, you know, easily organized, uh, you know, three, four week blocks um, or four week waves, I guess, you know, of training that will last the entire season. Um, and so that was something we did last year that we felt was very effective and we really enjoyed. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch those guys progress and, and really start to, you know, really enjoy, um, really enjoy training. And, uh, and I, again, we thought it was very, very effective. Um, guys got stronger through the season. Movement quality improved tenfold. And then they, a lot of those young guys, you know, they gained a whole lot of confidence. So whenever we got ready to go, you know, the whole of the goal is when you get up into a non-travel group that's not going to play much and you're going to be servicing a lot on game, on you know, throughout the week and you may not get any reps on Saturday, that's fine. But understand, like, their role is incredibly important to the overall success of the team because we, like, those guys are going to be the ones that are going to be giving you great looks um, you know, in walkthrough periods, in live periods, team periods, wherever the case is through practice. So you take the time to develop all those guys. I mean, the rising tide raises all ships. That can only make our ones and twos and the guys that are going to be playing on Saturday and the ones that are going to be counted on to go win games. That can make their days a lot more effective. and They can get better looks and they can get better reps at practice. And now we have a better opportunity as a whole to go have success on Saturday. And I think that's a really – kind of when you look at the developmental group, like the non-travel group, like that's a very overlooked, you know, piece of the puzzle where, you know, some places and, and you know, we'll be like, oh, we just got to, you know, we got to gut these guys. We got to put them through some hard things. Like, well, you can make training difficult, but at the same time, you can also make it effective and you can push, you know, hard towards your end goal in a very difficult, but a very smart and thought out process and, and way of going about that. So, um, and then with this group too, because we'll have a couple more days than we had in the last couple of years, um, we'll, we'll go ahead and just jump in our, our regular dynamic effort waves where we'll keep it 40, 45, 50. Um, we'll use, we'll just use chain. We're not going to use band in, in a high stress period like this. So we'll use chain weight. We'll save the band for whenever we get up into, you know, winter and spring and then ultimately summer next year. So 
Is that, oh, I just spoke for like maybe 12 minutes straight. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the, the first question that I had for you off of that was um, talking about some of the weightlifting variants. So do you guys prefer to do your, are you guys doing your weightlifting movements on your back separate days? You do them on your dynamic for days? Are you doing, you know, two different variations, one on each day where one's a little heavier, one's a little more for speed, I guess, you know, kind of go into depth a little bit on the weightlifting side. I think that's yeah. probably when, when you look at conjugate, I think that's probably the big question mark. They'll have like, well, yeah. I'm going to use a weightlifting very, where do I put it? Or do I just ignore it completely and expect to get my triple extension from, you know, jumps or on field work? Like you said, I guess kind of just how you guys use your clean considering you definitely brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and it, and so when we look at kind of where we, we would want to put it on, I mean, there's a thought of, you know, because again, we're, you know, conjugating the weight room and you look at the, you know, the, the uh, system using the field, we look at a high low CNS model, you know, with, within our field work. Right. And so you look, Charlie Francis talked about, you got to, you know, make your high days high, make your low days low. That's that whole thought process. Like, okay, great. At the same time, like we looked at, again, we, we talk a lot about the totality of a day and then into a week. And so it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, what does, what does the totality of a week look like if we're going to ask our guys to get some efforts on the clean and then we're going to ask them to get some efforts on the squat and then we're going to ask them to get some efforts on um, like a heavy, like like a fair, fairly heavy RDL for like sets of three to five. Like that's going to be, I understand, like we understand keeping your days, you know, keep your high days high, keep your low days low. But, you know, we're kind of sitting there looking at like, God, that's a, like that, you know, bucketing your stressors, like that's a lot to ask of our guys in one day. Could they handle it? Absolutely. We we have some dudes in the way. We have some dudes on this team, man, um, and a lot of them. But what can we do as a staff that might be, you know, might you know, uh, be in a little bit more of their uh, of their favor? I guess, for lack of a better term, for you know, nothing else to call it. But um, what could be a little more beneficial to them in the long run? So when we look at how we laid out our Olympic movements. So we would go on Monday would be a low CNS day, and that's going to be our max effort upper day in the weight room. We look at Tuesday. Tuesday is going to be our first like high CNS, but we're going to be uh, max velocity on the field. That's going to be a dynamic effort upper. So there's not, I mean, excuse me, dynamic effort lower. So there's not going to be anything from a lower standpoint that's going to be, you know, super heavy, super intense. So this would be a really good opportunity if we have, you know, we look at the Olympic movements, what day would allow us to push some intensity on that and it would probably make the most sense. We put it early in the week on that Tuesday, because that's probably in the way in the weight room, that would probably be the most taxing thing they do like dynamic effort squats. They like D squats, our guys eat it up. They absolutely hammer it. Um, our big guys, whenever they pull, they hit some sumo dead, sumo deads on the ground versus chain or band. Like they eat that up too, like no problem. But what can we do from an intensity standpoint, a movement that's going to still have more speed qualities and strength qualities. What can we do? Um, you know, to, to be able to push some intensity on that, push intent there, but at the same time, like not ask our guys to do a, a crazy amount of work just from a sheer intensity standpoint in the weight room. So we put it in there on a Tuesday, seemed to work really well. And then when we would cycle back through on that Friday would be our, our uh, so like, excuse me, so Tuesday would be, yeah, uh, high CNS on the field, below, and then uh, DE lower with the heavy clean on Tuesday. Wednesday would be off. Thursday we would go into – um, another low CNS on the field. So that's going to be in more tempo runs. We'll get some submax change direction work, um, which those days turned into some pretty difficult days too on the field now. Um, but then we would go up into the weight room and that'd be our DE upper. 
And then we would go into uh, on Friday would be our, our next uh, high CNS day on the field. That would be a max Excel work. Then we paired that up with our max effort lower. And so now we're looking at, hey, now, okay, we've got, you know, we look at both sides, both sides of you've got, at least from an Olympic movement or like a jumping movement, you've got, um, you know, something that you feel, hey, like, again, you look at movements that are going to have way more speed quality and strength quality. Here's one that we can push some intensity on. Here's one that we feel we need a lot more velocity on. So that's where we would put in like loaded jumps, um, you know, on that, on that day. So whether it be like a, you know, hey, weighted box jump, um, you know, like a squat jump, a trap bar jump, like whatever, that's where we would kind of put that there. So that way we're still driving intent. We're getting the training quality we need that we're trying to get on that particular day. Um, but at the same time, we've not asked our guys to do like, hey, a heavy clean, heavy squat, heavy RDL. And now all of a sudden you are absolutely cooked and you might put your guys in a hole so bad that, you know, by the time Tuesday rolls around, you know, depending on how the weekend goes um, and how Monday goes, they might still not be out of that hole. So that's when we look at the Olympic movements. And we don't do again. We just we really catch once a day, um, you know, with our skill and our combo. Our line guys would, you know, we would look at it above the knee or below the knee, hang clean. We did primarily above the knee work, um, you know, with those guys on that Friday. And again, it was a it was a much lighter load. Um, still working the cat, working practicing the catch. Um, but again, bar speed was the main thing on that. So um, again, that's hopefully that answers the question, like how we kind of how we laid that out and why we laid it out the way we did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then. You briefly just touched on it, but I was curious on what you guys are doing with the deadlift. Sounds like you guys are doing some speed pulls. Are you guys, you guys have your guys pull heavy out of season anytime, or do you mainly get most of your, I want to say heavy, quote unquote, heavy pulling from your cleans and just keep with speed from the floor? I guess speak on your guys' deadlifts a little bit in terms of how you guys run that. Yeah. So, really, when we look at like with the deadlift, we looked at more so, and again, I'll kind of go back to kind of what we thought, <clears throat> you know, as a staff is like, you know, and you hear people talk all the time with, you know, oh, this guy is really strong in the weight room, but he sucks at football. Like, if you've got a team of guys that are really good in the weight room, but when it, you know, it comes time to actually get between the paint and play, not so good. It's like, well, you just got a really bad team full of a lot of strong guys, you know, so they didn't really do you a whole lot of good yeah. it's time to play, so – but when you look at, and again, we didn't do this with our skill and combo, mainly we just did it with our line guys. And here's why. Is that when you look at when you look at at that part of the game, when you look at O and D linemen and what goes on in the trenches, and even you can make you can make the you know the argument too for like your linebackers, your running backs, like wide receivers, you can make an argument for anybody. But football is a game of leverage. And so if you can use leverage to move another manipulate and move another human being from point A to point B in your favor, you will have a pretty good chance of having success on, on any, you know, given play. And so when we looked at it, it's like, okay, well, what can we do instead of just doing this for a second? Oh, speed rate of force development. What can we do? Um, you know, that like, how can we implement this to where, Hey, like this may, this, this how the, this will have some carryover to our guys. And so that's when we looked at the deadlift of, Hey, let's get in it. Let's sumo it. Let's get in a wide base. Because when you look at, you know, anyone on the field at any given time, we could be in a very, very wide base. And if you don't train out there, you're you you're going to be holding your breath, yep. you know, when you guys do get out that wide and, you know, hope to God that nothing happens. So we looked at, hey, there this is a position our guys could very well get in. But when you look at the best pullers in the world, and that's been the cool thing, training out, you know, where I've trained the last, you know, couple of years, especially – you know, training over at Thirst and then training out at Boss Barbell, watching some of the best lifters in the world, especially Dan Green and, 
Andrew Herbert and those guys and Christy Hawkins out in, you know, California, watching them deadlift. I mean, you're looking seven to eight, 900 pounds on the bar and, you know, but early on in their warm-up sets where they got, you know, four or five, six on, they understand how to manipulate their body and wedge and leverage themselves against the weight to where that bar will start to float. And so when you look at, oh, that's someone who understands leverage and understands how to use it to move, you know, another load or manipulate a load and move it where they want to move it. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, like what, like that's essentially moving another human being off, off the line of scrimmage. Right. And so we looked at what the sumo deadlift could teach us and what could, how it could benefit our, our big guys. And so we looked at, uh, you know, developing using leverage to your benefit and also being able to get a very wide base and build some strength and build some, uh, build some capacity out there. Um, at the same time too, that's a really low cost way to target lower back, glutes, hips, hamstrings, right. Adductors, um, really, really easy, really easy, effective way to, to, to knock that out and get that done. So, um, and also too, like that was the biggest thing we looked at it. What else can help us with that? And this is something we did, uh, last year at Boise, um, we started doing some Zercher work um, off the pins with our guys. So we would start to do some Zercher work, Zercher uh, pin squats to where, you know, we would, Hey, we'll start it up a little bit, you know, like maybe a notch higher than what it needed to be on, you know, the first two weeks, let our guys kind of feel it. And we primarily stuck between like 40 to 60% of their back squat max. Um, You know, not necessarily worried about moving a whole lot of weight on that. It's more so, Hey, like manipulate your body, use leverage to move this weight until you get some, like you get a lot of trunk work, um, a lot of postural work. You get a lot of, you know, indirect work, the mid and upper back. Um, you know, anyone that's, that's spent time doing a Zercher squat or a Zercher carry knows how challenging yes. it is to that part of the, those areas of the body. It sucks. It's pretty hard, especially you go for, you know, time or, you know, high volume where you get some load in your hand, your load up in your, uh, you know, in your arms. So, um, but that was kind of the biggest thing. We looked, we almost looked at the, the sumo dead and the Zercher work almost kind of one in the same to where, Hey, it's leverage. Understand, like know how to use your leverage and wedge yourself against this load to get it to go where you want it to go. And then again, what we did with the Zercher work is we started to get the point with our big guys, we started to stagger their stance up. So more like a pass set with, with our old line. And so we would essentially do, we had two weeks of just, Hey, straight up, like just a, a regular stance. And then we got the point, okay, cool. Now we're going to wave it back down to like a, you know, 40 or 50%. And now we're going to start doing some staggered stance work. And think about it in the sense of, hey, we're getting ready to get up into a pass set. We're sitting in our stance, um, you know, or this might be a position where I may engage somebody in, um, you know. So, again, you start your strength is going to be built where it's trained. And so we figured that was a really easy, effective way where we can get our guys in some positions where they might find themselves in on game day. Um, so we can help start to build some strength and some confidence out in those areas. So um, that was what we would do from a secondary standpoint, um, you know, with, with our, our O&D linemen. So. Again, that's kind of when we looked at at the sumo, the sumo dead, and we looked at the Zercher work. It's all leverage and how to use it, how to manipulate a load to move it to where you want to go. So now we can maybe hopefully have some transference whenever game day rolls around. Awesome. And then the last thing you spoke about there too earlier was the the force plates. Are you guys are you guys just tracking metric on that on particular players, like with your your, you know, your your starters and maybe some of your twos or how I guess how are you guys using the force plate metrics? Obviously you're tracking to see if things are improving or not, but I guess what personnel are you using that data to make those decisions? So man, I mean, right now we've we've jumped everybody just so we and we've right. only jumped a hand yeah we've only jumped a handful of times so we just got them at the end of summer. So like we got up into like end of summer, the end through camp. Um 
you know, we'll get we'll get a chance to start doing that every Sunday on a consistent basis. But we at least did enough to where we got a baseline on everybody. Just kind of see a like here's what we're here's what we're working with from the jump. Here's the baseline metric, and so that way now we've got something to reference back whenever we get into the season. Um, you know, here, you know, and we'll get our first jump on, you know, coming up on, or actually we got them on Sunday. So we'll get our second one coming up after our, our game against Northern Iowa um, on Saturday. So um, we'll have a chance to get week two and kind of see what that looks like. So, yeah, we'll just do it on Sundays. Right now we've jumped everyone, but I think probably going forward, if I did, if I did bet, I think we'll probably just maybe look at our, our ones and twos and maybe some of our threes and our guys that play a lot of special teams reps. Yeah. And I'm assuming you guys are also using catapult in that equation as well, right? Uh, maybe not necessarily like in that equation, but what we can do if like, Hey, if force plates are going down and, and like, okay, cool. Like what's going on? Because it could very well be a, it's, you know, fatigue from the game it could be fatigue from the week from travel. There's all sorts of different deals that are going to go up into, you know, what can cause fatigue to a high degree when you, especially look at the sport of college football, right? The season's yeah. long. These guys just have, they've got practice, but they also have like meetings. They have, you know, lifting, they have, uh, you got to be able to get to meals on time. And most importantly, you have class Yeah, you throw the academic piece in there. And that is a, that is a major, major, major stressor for a lot of our players, especially the young guys that this is their first time in college, you know? So um, I think at the end of the day, like you, you can kind of look at, you know, with the force plates, what, what's that's giving, what that is giving you. And then what the GPS units, like you look at the catapults, here's what this is giving us. Okay, cool. Like maybe we can start to find pinpoint. Okay. Like, Maybe this is causing this level of fatigue. Maybe this is causing it, whatever. But and too, like you can also turn the mirror on yourself and look, you know, hey, from a strength issuing standpoint, you know, in the weight room, is there something that we're missing? Um, you know, if there is, cool. What is it? How do we find that? And then how we move forward, um, you know, to, to make sure everything's moving in the right direction. But really, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can use them to kind of essentially say, like, you know, they're one and the same. But, um, you know, that's just another way you can measure, hey, okay, like our guys – our guys shot our guys in a good spot yes cool no okay why and that might be something you could look look back on like hey maybe this could be you know a reason why or or, or what have you so gotcha yeah yeah i guess i should have said they coincide a little bit more you know if yeah they do obviously super this is really low on their force plate data that day and their catapult gpa data is through the roof yeah you're kind of looking at okay it's kind of correlating towards playing time or you know they're hitting how many, I mean, obviously they could also track how high, you're, how many times you're hitting 80%, 90% VLO. Yeah. You know, obviously the more you're hitting those VLOs, the more stressful you're going to start to see those guys have on Saturdays. And it's all kind of correlated together. So it's just oh, cool yeah. to see how you guys are implementing some of that sports science piece to ultimately drive your decisions for your your guys that are playing on Saturdays. So. Oh, yeah. And our, and our sports medicine staff, they, they, they help us out with that too. Like they're, they're a, a very important part of, you know, sports science aspect within, you know, like our Nord boards, our force plates, like everything that we look at within catapult too. I mean, they, they, they're a tremendous resource and they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're all awesome at what they do. So we're really fortunate to have, you know, uh, really fortunate to have, you know, Cobes and Nate and all those guys down there, you know, within that staff and, and what they do for us and do for our players. They're, they're awesome to work with. So. That definitely helps. For sure. All right. The last thing I got for you, this is kind of looking in the future, but you know, you've been in the collegiate ranks now several years, been quite literally almost all over the country at this point. Um, where does Lucas see collegiate strength and conditioning going in the next five to ten years? Oh boy. Uh I don't 
I think in the next five to ten years, I think the I think the caliber and the quality of coach is going to improve. And I think because you've got the amount, of, like mainly due to the amount of resources that are out and that are available now, whether you're looking at you know the field, the weight room, whatever the case is, the sports science side of of things. I mean, you have no choice but to but to you know to grow and adapt because if not, then there's going to be you're going to get passed up because there are a lot of young coaches, younger coaches that are getting exposed to a lot more technology they're getting exposed to a lot more training methodologies and systems um you know than i think a lot of us you know got exposed to whenever we were really early in our career so um you know and i was very fortunate you know the time i spent down under coach decker at new mexico state um uh, you know we ran a lot of different a lot of different systems in the weight room then he gave us a lot of freedom um you know to run what we felt was most effective and would be you know in in the best interest of our kids that we coached um you know, but at the same time, like things had to be done a certain way. So, um, but I think, well, I think the biggest thing, yeah, man, like you're looking at the next five, 10 years, the, the, the caliber and the quality of the coach will improve based on the amount of information that is out and available right now at this moment. I mean, if you're a young coach getting in this field, I mean, my goodness, you look at different podcasts, you look at, um, you know, it, uh, Instagram, Twitter, I mean, you know, strength coach Twitter can get a little harsh. It's yeah. chilled out. The, it's actually chilled out the last couple of months. I haven't seen a whole lot like I used to, but, um, I mean, yeah, the amount of, like, you know, with social media, with, um, you know, Spotify and iTunes and, and Apple music, all that, like you know, with a lot of those podcasts being on those platforms, um, and you get a chance where you have experienced coaches that have been in the game for a minute, have another chance to talk to coaches that are either experienced and have been in it for a long time or, and, you know, maybe out of the, out of the field for whatever reason, or, you know, you got guys that are, you know, they're going to talk to people that, uh, you know, are currently in the trenches right now and they're seeing things work in real time. And what, what are those, you know, what are those methodologies? What are those pieces of equipment? Like, what is all this, what's the feedback that you're getting? And so that's, you know, that, that's great, um, you know, grounds for, for awesome uh, conversation and great content, kind of like what we're doing here, you know? So I just think that the amount of resources that are available, like you have no choice but to get better. And if you don't, that's your own fault. So I think, yeah, the, the quality and the caliber of coach is going to improve drastically. Um, and, and I think too, when you look at kind of when you look, when you look at the whole analysis, I think this is somewhere it's like, Hey, like, you know, this is where it's going to, you know, trend towards, I think it'll only get better is that, you know, the amount of time that we spend with our, with our players, we, we spend a crazy amount of time with, 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 uh, you know, with the, the athletes that we coach. And that's been one of the really cool things over the last three years, and especially now that we're here at Iowa State, is that we have such a good relationship, a good rapport with our players. Um, they're they're a lot of fun to be around, and I think the more that you know, the the better the coach that comes in um, that has had more of an opportunity to be exposed to a lot of different things, but at the same time, like has found a way to use certain things within their own training to 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 create a better experience for themselves. They're going to have no choice but to create a better experience for you know the the teams and athletes that they work with. Um, you know, and that can really help foster, you know, better relationships and give those kids a better experience, um, you know, in the weight room training with you while they're going through, you know, arguably one of the toughest, but most formative, you know, periods of their life. So I think it's going it, to, we, we, the field's only going to get better. Um, you know, I think a lot of different people in the field, um, you know, whether they're a part of a major organization or not, are doing a lot of really cool things, um, you know, to kind of push it forward and make sure that that actually does happen. So that's where I think it's going to go. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, the conference realignment stuff, I think might also kind of push things to be more competitive. I mean, bigger TV deals, that money's going to trickle down to all the staff 
to some degree. I mean, they're they're going to want to get the best, and they're going to want to yeah. make sure that you guys are compensated for that. Um, not only from a recruitment standpoint, but just from a producing standpoint. I mean, they, they oh, want wow. the best the best that they can get, and I think that's you know ultimately a good thing. Um, so I think that's yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, hundred percent. I think too, like when you start to talk about you know. You, because I feel like that's been kind of like the big buzz. Like in college football, has been conf, you know conference realignment and which teams going where. What does this media deal look like? And and like it, you know, it could it very well be good things for for the for the game? Yeah, it could. Or there's some drawbacks. Yeah, I mean, it definitely yeah. think so. But you're not going to have you know all good. You're not going to have all bad. There you know there are certain you know certain parts that are good, certain parts that might be not so beneficial. But you know, I think at the end of the day, when you start to look at you know all the the figures and the numbers and all that, like you know, still don't lose sight. I think people need to you know, keep in mind that like elite, good human beings within the building, within the four walls of, of, you know, your facility are what's going to make everything run and run it at, at a good clip and a good pace um, and be a really good environment to work in. And I, I'll say this, Matt Campbell, coach Matt Campbell is an elite human being and I can't say enough good things about him, the environment he's created here at Iowa State over his tenure here and how much, how enjoyable it is to go to work every day, um, you know, in that building uh, and especially do it with, with, with elite football coaches, elite strength coaches, um, an elite head coach, um, an elite nutrition staff and an elite sports medicine staff. But at the end of the day, elite human beings within that, within that building. And, uh, you know, I think that's one reason why, you know, we've been able to have the, you know, the Iowa State's had the success over the course of the last couple of years that, that, that we've had is, because we get the right people in the building and it's it, that that is first and foremost, whether it's we're bringing a coach on, we're recruiting a player, like whatever, like, is he, is he or she a good person and will they fit within, w- w- within what we do here? And I think that's the biggest thing we'll look at because we, we have great men and women in this program, man. And um, I think that's what really makes, makes everything run and, 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 uh, and operate to the level that's operated at the last couple of years. So um yeah, very, very fortunate to be where I'm at right now. Very fortunate. Awesome. Yeah, I've loved seeing it, man. Um, last thing, I mean, do you have anything else you want to discuss? Anything we glazed over really quickly that you want to elaborate on or uh, uh, anything else that you want to share? Not really, um, man. Not really. It's just um, it's been a good year. Uh, you know, third year working with with Coach Kagan and and, uh, and Brandon Jalen. And like I said, now we've got Trevor Ryan on our staff and you know, how awesome it's been to go to work with those guys every day. I know I've said it before, but I can't say it enough, like how much I enjoy going to work with those dudes, um, you know, every day. Um, you know, and again, being in the position that that we're all in right now, we're very fortunate. And we, we've had a really good year of training. We're, we're ready to see our kids play, man. We're ready to see our, our players go get after it. You know, we've been we've been going against each other now, you know, spring ball and then fall camp and and all that. And aside from, you know, those camp periods, been a lot of lifting, a lot of running, a lot of training. So, um, you know, it's college football is here. I mean, there there's some games on the TV right now, and you know, our our first opportunity is going to be uh, you know on Saturday. So we're we're really excited. We're really looking forward to it. We're really excited to go watch our our guys. You know, go go play and have success. So we're we're really excited to watch those guys play here. Yeah, I love it, man. I know me and Adrian will be watching for you on TV, being the get back guy. Um, and okay. I definitely know that we're uh, definitely going to try to get over to see you at some point. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's been discussed. It's just a matter of figuring out when we can get away. So yeah, obviously we know, we know you're busy too. So we got to try to also make it work around football schedule too, but 
No, you guys need to come. You're welcome anytime, man. And, I, and big, big thanks for having me on today. I mean, I, this is, you know, we, we did this once before and, um, you know, back, I mean, my God, I think I was at San Jose state whenever we did this the first time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. uh, you know, just kind of, it's, it's a lot of fun. You, you've been a really good friend. You've been a really good mentor, um, you know, from afar and, and someone that I've turned to, you know, several times, um, you know, whether, you know, whether it's, you know, my own training, like some thoughts I've got, you know, to put on paper to help with the teams I'm, I'm responsible for, like, you know, you're, you're, I always give, give you credit. You're the, the, the main catalyst for my understanding of conjugating kind of what, you know, what that looks like, especially now within the team setting too. And, you know, because at the end of the day, I mean, that was you know, one of the big reasons why, you know, coach Keggy and I linked up in the first place is, you know, we, we had the same thought process as far as, you know, what training should look like, you know, especially in the team setting. And, um, you know, I don't know if I wouldn't have gone to thirst, if I would have stumbled upon it, like I did and, and had the development I got from you, um, you know, all those years ago. So, which feels like, you know, going on five, almost six years, which is kind of wild to yeah. think but, yeah, it is. You know, how, how fast, you know, that time has gone, but you know, I just, I, I appreciate you, man. You've been a great friend. You've been a great resource, a great mentor. I, I can't thank you enough. So, uh, thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Um, yeah. good luck on Saturday. Thanks for jumping on the call. And if anyone's got questions, I'll have all of Lucas's information in the show notes. I'll tag out on Instagram, all that. Definitely reach out to him. He's a good resource. If you have any interest in getting into collegiate strength conditioning, he's a good guy to follow. Thanks for coming on, Lucas. Thanks, man. Go Cyclones. Thanks for listening to Thirst for More Podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you like to consume your podcast. You can also check us out on YouTube at The Smitley, where you'll find clips and lots of educational-based material for strength and conditioning and exercise science. You can also make sure you give me a follow on Instagram at bsmitley or at Team Thirst, which is my gym Instagram page. For any more future updates on episode to come, you can make sure you follow me there. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you at the next episode.